Welcome to SCN2A Insights, bringing you the latest research and clinical updates on SCN2A and genetic epilepsy from around the world. So welcome to this episode of SCN2A Insights, a podcast talking all things genetic epilepsy. And welcome again, Chris. Thank you. So this is the first of two episodes where we talk to Simon's Foundation. In the first interview, we talked to John Spiro about the Safari program. So John, thanks for joining us. What's the Simons Foundation and how does Safari fit under that? The Simons Foundation is a private foundation based in New York City and has a very broad mission to advance the frontiers of research in mathematics and the basic sciences. And it was um, co-founded by Jim and Marilyn Simons. And the mission of Safari, which is one of the divisions, one of the larger divisions of the Simons Foundation, and Safari stands for the Simons Foundation Autism Research Initiative, is to improve the understanding, diagnosis, and treatment of autism spectrum disorders by funding innovative research of the highest quality and relevance. Um, We have a yearly budget in the range of about 90 million US dollars per year. So that's a quick introduction to Simons and Safari. And then Simon's Searchlight, which I'm happy to talk about maybe a little bit later, is a project within Safari that aims to study uh, individuals with known genetic variations to try to learn how they are similar to each other, how they're different to each other, how these genetic events influence particular behaviors and challenges. And the hope is that by Studying um, people in this way will learn what type of interventions might work best, what don't work, and those types of things. What's, What's your, your role, role within, within that mission, mission at Simons? So my title is Deputy Scientific Director of Safari. I'm a, um, I did a PhD and postdoc in neuroscience, and I worked for many years um, as a scientific editor at the journal Nature, and then I joined Safari very close to its beginning in 2007. So, so what, what are, are some of the current projects that Simon's Safari is running in SCN2A? So the funding comes in sort of three broad types. And if there's time, I thought I could mention these and then provide some more details about some of them. I should mention, first of all, that pretty much everything I'm going to say is also on our website, which is just safari.org. There's spelled S-F-A-R-I.org, so safari.org, has a lot of this information. Some of the stuff I can tell you today is a little bit more up to date, but our funding comes in sort of three broad types. The, the first one is cohorts. We spend a lot of our um, money developing cohorts, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. The second type is resources, and these are resources to lower the barriers of entry for scientists scientists interested in getting into the field. We think this is really important just to sort of draw more really smart, innovative people into the field. And then the third, um, which I can talk about in some more detail also, is direct funding to investigators around the world for investigator-initiated projects. At the beginning of Safari, we funded the creation of the Simon Simplex Collection, known as the SSC, And this was a collection of about 3,000 families with autism spectrum disorder. And it ended up playing a really big role in understanding the genetic landscape of ASD and related neurodevelopmental disorders. It was really the beginning of the discovery of many single genes and so-called copy number variants that are major risk factors for autism and that included SCN2A. The number of genes in CNV regions now that are definitively definitively identified as risk factors is in the range of about 200. 
So the Simon Simplex Collection, or the SSC, is uh, done now collecting individuals, but Safari is, is hard at work on a much larger cohort called Spark. Spark currently has about 90,000 individuals with um, autism spectrum disorder, and at that 90,000, that's a really big number. And um, the goal is to do exome sequencing, that's the coding part of the genome, so for all of the people in the collection to do exome sequencing. And those with known genetic variants, such as SCN2A, can then enroll in the sort of sister study to Spark, which is called Simon Searchlight. Simon Searchlight used to be called Simon's VIP for anyone listening who might who might be confused by that. So as I mentioned briefly at the beginning, this is a group uh, that, this is a project that gathers families with the same genetic variation and sort of takes much deeper dives to learn about how that genetic event influences behaviors, you know, presents particular challenges and the hope is by studying individuals in this way, we'll learn much more specifically about you know, what type of interventions work best and what don't work and, and things like that. So I thought I could very briefly just give an update on the SCN2A group within Simon Searchlight. We have about 190 families that are registered. These are people from all over the world. About 130 of them have submitted lab reports that are gone over, that staff at Simon Searchlight go over very carefully to make sure everyone really has the genetic variation that they think they have. And then about 116 or so have completed um, quite in-depth medical history interviews that are done by a genetic counselor that works for the program. So this is a very rich collection of individuals with SCN2A. I mentioned that Simon supports sort of three types of um, funding. I just told you about cohorts. And I can mention briefly the second type, which are sort of resources to lower the barriers of entry for scientists interested in getting into the field to sort of attract really good scientists to work on, on this. And I can give you an example of some of the things we do. One, one of them is to maintain a really curated database of all of the genes that are involved in autism and related neurodevelopmental disorders. This is called Safari Gene. It's a free resource. I should have mentioned everything that Simons does is free. There's no charge whatsoever to enter any of the cohorts, um, to use any of the data. This is all uh, based on the philanthropic generosity of Jim and Marilyn Simons. So the other type of resource that we think is really critical to put out there are to make sure that there animal models that researchers can readily use to study genes like SCN2A. I want to make the point that for the most part, researchers are not really trying to make a model of the disorder per se. It's a human disorder. You can't really have a mouse uh, with autism or with SCN2A disorder, but you can actually change the genes in mice and rats and zebrafish and then by doing so and studying the biology of those animals in great depth, you can learn a lot about what the gene is doing and hopefully understand what that gene is doing in people. So we maintain resources in um, rats and zebrafish and mice where we've paid to have either these animals generated in the first place or we've paid to have them at a repository where people can access them. So that's, that's one major resource that I think has been very successful at getting people interested in working in the field. And then the other one, which directly relates to the family's um, generosity, is that we're developing 
a resource for so-called IPS cells or induced pluripotent stem cells. And since it's really uh, virtually impossible to study the brain of people um, in great detail while they're alive, for obvious reasons, IPS cells have turned out to be a really amazing new tool to do this. These have only been around um, for a decade or so. And that works by taking a person's skin cell, or now we've found that blood cells actually probably work even better and are easier to collect, and turning that blood cell back into what's called a pluripotent stem cell. And that's a cell that can then be coaxed to become a brain cell or other types of cells in the body. So that's been a really, really interesting way um, that researchers have been studying um, SCN2A and related disorders by making these so-called uh, IPS cells and then turning them into neurons. For SCN2A, we have in the range of 20 blood samples from different individuals, 20 different individuals that are ready to go. And we are in the process of reprogramming about 11 of those into IPS cells, which we're then making available to the full research community, essentially at at no cost, just for the cost of um, shipping and things like that. That that work has been slightly delayed because of COVID-19, um, but we expect that to be back up and running. So that's really interesting. I didn't realize the Simons Foundation had such a broad mission, and yeah, you've done a really nice job of explaining to us how all that fits together and the different aspects to that. What are some examples of the investigator-initiated research that the Simons Foundation's funding? I was kind of... Um, really pleased to see I was going through some notes in preparation to talk to you. And I, there were even more grants that we've funded in this area than, than I had originally realized. Over the last few years, we've funded something in the range of nine or 10 grants. Um, these are grants that come in through a very competitive open call for proposals that they're rigorously evaluated both by the internal science team and in collaboration with, with an external panel of scientists, there are, some of them are up to about 300,000 US dollars a year for somewhere between two and four years, depending on that. Some of the grants that we fund investigate a large number of genes that are known risk factors for uh, ASD and neurodevelopmental disorders all at the same time. So they're sort of asking questions across a number of genes. But what I thought I could focus on is a number that a number of genes that focused entirely on SCN2A that we funded, and I can tell you a little bit about those. Once again, if you're curious to read more about these grants, um, summaries of the proposals and of the investigators themselves are on our website, safari.org. So the first grant that I'd like to mention is uh, a grant that was to Al George, who's a professor at Northwestern in Chicago. And it's called High Throughput Functional Annotation of Human SCN2A Variants. It's a really uh, important and interesting topic. So we know that about half of the SCN2A variants um, that have been identified are predicted to truncate the encoded protein, which is the sodium channel. That means they, they sort of take it out so that that one copy of the sodium channel gene is, um, is not turned into protein. But many other variants in, in SCN2A, do, we don't really understand what their functional consequence will be. So the gene um, may still be read through and turned into protein, but we don't know how the genetic variation in that gene changes the protein function. 
So the study from Al George that we funded several years ago, and we're just about to make a new award to him to sort of ramp up this work, is basically to use an automated electrophysiological platform where he puts these various um, variations um, into cell lines and then uses tools of electrophysiology to actually measure the protein function, which is it's a sodium channel. One of the great things about SCN2A is we know exactly what it does. So we know how to measure what the protein does um, with a very high level of resolution. So what ordinarily would have taken years and years to do to measure each one of these one by one, each one would take a graduate student a while to make and then quite a bit of time to measure this. Al has developed essentially a high throughput pipeline to measure these. And one of the goals of the current project, the, the one that's just about to start, that's a continuation of another grant he had, is to try to get this data directly into the clinical databases that are used by clinicians around the world. One of the, one of the most used ones is called ClinVar, so that when um, someone has an SCN2A variant detected on a genetic lab report, they'll be able to go into this database and immediately see what that variant does to the function of the protein. Another group of grants uh, that I'd like to mention come from a team of investigators at the University of California, San Diego. This is Kevin Benders, Stefan Sanders, and Dr. Ahituv. This grant is to do a very detailed analysis of what happens when SCN2, the SCN2A gene is missing in a mouse. So they make a mouse, they've made a mouse that models the human condition. It's called haploinsufficient. That means one copy of the gene is, is inactive. And they've done very, very detailed recordings and behavioral analysis of the mouse. And they've found some unexpected things about how not only does the sodium channel act early in development to initiate action potential or nerve impulse signaling, but it also is active in the arbors of the uh, nerve cell called the dendrites and seems to be involved in some processing in the dendrites that extends throughout lifetime. A really interesting part of this grant is not only to study this mouse, but to try to use technology of the technologies of gene therapy to reintroduce or to essentially tweak the parts of the gene that control its expression. So actually, let me say that. Yeah, sure. Let me say that a slightly different way. Um, so in addition to characterizing uh, the mouse uh, in a very detailed way using tools of electrophysiology and, beha and quantitative behavior, one of the goals of this grant, which is really cool, is to use the tool CRISPR, which has received a lot of attention uh, recently. This is a tool that allows one to um, go into the genome and very precisely edit um, parts of the genome. So the idea here is to use a modification of this CRISPR called CRISPR-A. And what they're trying to do is to get it to tune up the regulation of the intact copy of the SCN2A gene. So remember the situation in humans that have an SCN2A condition is that one of the copies is inactive, but there's another copy that works. So the idea of this proposal is to use this CRISPR-A technology to up 
regulate the good copy, the functional copy of SCN2A to correct for this so-called haploinsufficient condition. And there's some sort of very exciting early work showing that this strategy might be working. There's a, there's a long way to go before one could move such a strategy into humans, but this provides a really important uh, proof of principle that such strategies um, might work. Yeah, we had a chance to talk to Kevin Bender about some of his work in loss of function and the feedback mechanisms at a neuronal level that may give insights into autism. And yeah, it's great work. So really excited that Safari's funding the further development of that uh, research line. It's very cool stuff. Yes, it's really interesting. Thanks for telling us about all those different projects. SCN2A in some respect has been leading the way in developing platforms for some of the other genes that aren't as well understood. So we are in a somewhat fortunate position as it's a well understood gene. And a lot of the researchers in this area are with their knowledge in SCN2A are developing ways of then learning more about other genes. So hopefully that also means we're leading the way in terms of development of treatments and access to helpful therapies. One of the things I wanted to ask you, John, is with the Simons Foundation's overarching sort of idea in using math, maths to solve complex problems, you've talked to us a little bit about the front end. So the data comes in and you have the cohort studies and you accumulate that data and certainly researchers can then sort of access that at a sort of a profile sort of level. What's under the hood? Is there, are there things that Safari's doing in a math sense under the hood to try and sort of tie together all these different gene variants with the behavioural and sort of human data that you're collecting? The way we're set up at the foundation is that we're primarily going out and looking for the best and brightest people around the world to both collect the data and then, as you said, we make all of this data as available as possible to, to any interested researchers and to sort of coax researchers to sort of squeeze it for even more value. We organize a lot of meetings and workshops where we bring people to the foundation for sort of to debate uh, different issues and to try to generate new ones. We had a, a meeting in January on gene therapy approaches to neurodevelopmental disorders and SCN2A focused very, very highly on that. We don't do a lot of direct in-house research on the data within the Safari team. But interestingly, Jim and Marilyn Simons, a few years ago, started a computational research institute just across the street from the Simons Foundation. It's actually part of the Simons Foundation called the Flatiron Institute. I think it was formed in 2016. And they've hired something in the range of about 200 data scientists who work and they sort of divide their, um, the data science is divided into an astrophysics group and a, a quantum material science group. But there's a big group of um, biologists and geneticists as well that are doing some computational biology. Um, so there are some groups looking through some of the genetic data that the uh, Safari is collecting and trying to use new methods of uh, machine learning and AI in particular to look through the genome. One of the big uh, questions right now in the field, uh, and there are a couple of people at Flatiron that are focusing on this, is the area of the genome or the percentage of the genome that codes for genes like SCN2A is only about 1% of the whole genome. And the other 99% or 98% or so, it's still quite mysterious how these um, regions that probably have strong influences on 
regulatory uh, regulatory functions and modifying functions of other genes and changing expression. So there's a lot of computational work being done on that. But we're also supporting some purely computational work from people all over the world. Yeah, that's great. And that can be such a helpful strategy. I know in my clinical practice, I, I see patterns, you know, very much about pattern recognition. And that's what we do often as clinicians. But sometimes we don't know how those patterns relate to each other. We just know they travel together. And so having someone underneath that, being able to look at mathematical associations and then give the basic scientists or the the more basic researchers an idea about, okay, where to start looking for those things to then bring it back to the clinic can be really helpful. Exactly. And a key component of that, of course, a key ingredient is making sure the data is clean and readily available to people who have good ideas. That's not always the case, but we we put a lot of effort into that. We have a group, an informatics group that works with the Safari team that spends quite a time, quite a bit of time sort of curating all of this data and cleaning it and making sure it's sort of put out there for the masses to use. Yeah, congratulations. That's just a fantastic resource that really is going to continue to drive research forward. Thanks, Thanks for all that, John. John. If, if researchers or, in fact, um, patient groups want to undertake some research in SCN2A or other genes in collaborations with Simons, what should they do? What's the best way to move forward? The best way to um, learn about the, the foundation is to sort of dig through our, our website. We have a newsletter that goes out every month that has announcements about new funding opportunities. Um, one of the things I would really like to see in the coming years, and I think we haven't quite advertised to the researchers around the world um, just how terrific this resource is, is the Simon Searchlight um, platform has this really rich data, medical data, genetic data about all of these families. The families have been gener- generous enough to um, donate um, all of this data, and in many cases, blood and other biospecimens. So we really want everyone, uh, you know, researchers and scientists around the world to realize what a rich source of information exists already for mining. But one thing that I'd like to really point out is that um, we really encourage researchers to come to us both to use these databases and to apply for funding, of course, but to use these databases in new ways. So we have a program called Research Match, where if a researcher has a project they want to do, I'll, I'll just mention one type of example that I'm particularly interested in. So we all know that sleep is really critical for cognitive function and a lot of people with uh, neurodevelopmental disorders have uh, pretty significant problems in sleep rhythms and, and sleep structure. I think it would be really cool to go into some of these searchlight groups and actually do uh, measure um, sleep and other type of acti- activity with wearable devices and, and other kinds of gadgets. And that's the kind of thing we're really set up to do. If someone has a really great idea and they say, I want to compare sleep patterns in people with SCN2A versus, for example, some other genetic variant that's known, uh, you know, uh, CHD8 or something like that. This would be a, just an incredibly rich opportunity to do that. So we both have, um, you know, we're a neutral player in the field too. We're not a pharmaceutical company. Um, we don't really have a vested interest here other than to push the science forward as quickly and as deeply and as rigorously as possible. So I think there's just an enormous opportunity for researchers and patient groups as well. I think um, one thing that we've learned from attending a lot of family meetings, interacting with various patient groups is 
how much the moms and dads really know um, that the researchers would benefit from knowing. So really making sure we're collecting uh, data and insights from the families as well as to what are really the most important challenges and sort of some of the most interesting areas for research. Thanks very much, John, for outlining what the Simons Foundation is doing and safaris uh, making available and developing in this area. My pleasure. That was a really interesting interview with John Spiro and a lot of work going on in SCN2A and we look forward to continuing our conversation uh, with John and the Simons Foundation hearing more about Safari. And if you're looking to hear more about Kevin Bender's work, you can check out the previous podcast episode and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you want to learn more about SCN2A, you can follow our podcast on any podcast channel and you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at SCN2A Australia. Thanks a lot. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 